The podcasting model is broken. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. I love podcasting. I earn my living through podcasting. I eat, sleep, and breathe podcasting. But I'm more convinced than ever that the podcasting model is broken. Let me tell you what we can do to fix it. Stay tuned. So the real question is this. How can podcasters like us, who've done the work, built a following, and actually made a difference, monetize our podcast without selling out to sponsors who don't really value our community anyway? That is the question, and this is the answer. Welcome to Podcast Monetization Secrets. Hi there. Welcome to Podcast Monetization Secrets. My name is Christy Hostler. Thank you for joining me today. Now, if you've been listening along, you know that we are all about monetizing existing podcasts. And I have probably each week anywhere from five to eight consultations, some with new clients, some set up with coaching appointments for existing clients, some appointments with collaborators or, or other people that are sort of in the industry where we're working on different things. So I'm talking to people a lot about podcasting. And one of the recurring themes that I see over and over and over again is that we have a broken podcast model. And the model that we use for podcasting, it's not a model that's generally replicated anywhere else in our ecosystem that I can think of besides like art. So let me tell you what I mean. I was talking to a um, collaborator, I guess is the best one word to say it this week. And we were I was talking about how I came to have a real calling what I feel like a calling in my life to help podcasters monetize. And I'll tell you the story in just a minute. But whenever I got done, I said, there's no other way to say it than the podcast model is broken. And he said, wow. He said, I've never heard anybody say that before. But man, the way you presented it, it just it seems like you're exactly right. And here's what I'm talking about. The general idea with podcasting is that people sit back and they think about what show would I like to create? I would like to create a show that features this type of people. And, and I, I get people all the time. They want to talk to me about podcast production or about some sort of aspect of podcasting. And yet, whenever I talk to them about what their show is, they're focused on like having the conversations and they're like, Oh, I'd like to talk to these people. And I think just their stories would be interesting. And I'd love to share their stories and their stories would be great. And whenever I talk to them about monetization, they are most of the time very clueless about how they would monetize that. They thumb, sometimes think in the back of their mind that maybe it's going to be through sponsors. Maybe it's going to be for, you know, getting advertisers for their show, but they don't really know. And they're just like, they're kind of like, well, what, well, you know, how much can I make from a show like this? And um, the, the bottom line is without engineering a show to make money, you will make zero and it will become your biggest uh, time suck and it will become your most expensive hobby. Now, let me tell you a story. I had a, um, 
a client years ago that came to me through, we both live in Florida. We don't live near each other, but um, somehow in our circles of connection, we got connected and she wanted to start a podcast. And um, we will call her Marnie. Marnie will be the name we're going to call her. And that's not a real name, but that's what we'll call her. And Marnie had a very specific event that happened in her life and it changed her life. And she was 53 years old when this happened. And it sort of gave her a new lease on life. So her next thing that she wanted to do was about a podcast about sort of how to live those next 53 years. Like she'd already sort of done what she had done with her first 53 and it was the the second 53 years that she was focused on helping women make change. So she started that podcast and she named it accordingly. And she podcasted under that name for about a year, year and a half. And because she was very, um, at the time I met her, she was a single woman. Her, you know, children had already grown and gone off to college and gotten married and done all their uh, lives, you know, on, established on their own and didn't have dependents or anything. But she was also uh, very frugal and she didn't have a lot of money to spend on podcast production. So she was one of my first clients and I gave her a, a deal that would be, uh, I would, it would cost me money today if I tried to do that kind of deal. But I gave her a very low rate and we did the bare minimum work for her. And then she would like um, write the show notes and she would do the marketing for it. So she wasn't really a full service client at all, but she was a really, really dedicated. She never really missed an episode. She, you know, she stuck with it. So she would get in that first year, she would get maybe 700, 800. I mean, she was always pushing to try to get a thousand downloads in a month. And she never really hit it, so she decided she was going to name it something else. So she named her show something else that was sort of equally as ambiguous as the title um, about the this next part of your life, that next 53 years. And so she podcasted under that for a while and maybe got a few more, maybe got up to 1,200 or so downloads a month. And... We got to a point where she needed some technical help and, um, you know, she was wanting to rebrand her show again. And um, I finally said, we've, we've got to get clear on some things before you just rebrand again. Because right now, it's like everything is sort of like, let's throw something at the wall and see if it sticks. And let's throw something at the wall and see if it sticks. So she needed some technical help. And so she and her husband came down to my house and spent the weekend with us. And during that time, we had a really um, intense conversation on the back porch. I mean, when I say intense, it was intense emotionally. It wasn't intense, you know, like we were mad at each other or anything like that. But we got down to talking about who she was serving. And one of the things that I always felt like whenever I was editing her show um, it started out whenever she wanted her editing done. She wanted every breath taken out. And so if we do that, it leaves, it, it's very unnatural sounding. So it leaves you kind of feeling like you're listening to things in like super fast motion. And so um, I, I kind of eventually got her away from doing most of that by just reducing her breaths and not taking them out completely. But she always was very adamant about, I want my show, I don't want my show to be longer than 20 minutes. 
And I'm like, why do you not want your show to be longer than 20 minutes? And she said, well, because I know I get, you know, bored after 20 minutes of listening to a show and I just want to get to the point. I just want to go on and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, so you get bored with the conversation after 20 minutes. And I said, well, Marnie, what is your big offer that you're offering to people? And she said, well, I have this coaching program where it's like a year long coaching program. It's like, you know, $1,200 or $1,900 or something like that. But it's a year long coaching program. And we go through this coaching program and we get deep dive into topics and we do all this kind of stuff. And um, I'm like, well, how many people have you sold it to? She said, well, just a handful. I've only had a few people that took me up on it. And I said, well, how under, help me understand, how is it that you are, you know, you want your shows only to be 20 minutes because you only want to scratch the surface. You don't want to get too tied up in anything. You want it to be kind of like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, and you go. And then you're going to ask them to go on a deep dive coaching excursion with you and commit to a year long coaching program that they're going to pay you money for. But they've only ever seen you scratch the surface with these topics and with the issues that they're facing. And all of her topics were very um, Pollyanna kind of, you know, very nebulous and like, you know, take responsibility for what you do and you'll be better in life. And, you know, just kind of all these very surfacey things. And I'm like, there's she's not a surfacey person. Why is she, you know, why is she presenting herself that way as far as? podcast. And so we talked some more and finally got down to it and realized that the event that happened whenever she was 53 years old is that she left a 35-year abusive marriage. And and she left with nothing. She basically walked away from the businesses she and her husband built together and started a life completely over on her own. And she had to dig her way out and eventually land on her feet and, you know, um, have a have a good life, try to have a good life on her own. And that was that was the emotional part of it. She was finally admitting that she'd allowed herself to be in an abusive relationship for 34 years and she had allowed herself to stay there because she felt like you know that that number one that she was uh that was her security she didn't have anything on her own she was always in her husband's shadow she always had her finances tied to him she always had her jobs tied to them him because they owned businesses together and she was afraid of walking away with nothing and so she got in such a place that she was so beat down, but she finally left. And she had to leave multiple times, I think, in order, because m- most people do. And uh, so she, when she finally left that final time, she knew it was the, the final time. And that was whenever she set her life on this new trajectory. And so she began, we began talking about that. And her husband said, because she by this time she had remarried her childhood so a high school sweetheart and they had a have a beautiful relationship and they're lovely people, but uh, her husband said, "Well, why don't you talk more about that on your show?" She said, "Oh no, I'm not going to talk about that. No, no, I'm not going to talk about that." She was very resistant to it, but the more we broke down the walls that she had, the more she realized, you know what. I have to talk to those women because I am that woman and they need to see it with me and they need to see it, you know, what, what I've done and they need to be able to see that there is hope. So she began really rebranding her show and she really, at this point in time, because she knew who she was serving, she knew what kind of help she was offering. She really began to pick up a following and a year and a half or so later, she was getting, you know, 10,000 or more downloads every single month with her podcast. 
and she was doing really well by all the metrics that podcasters say are good metrics. But you know what? We were at a retreat uh, for one of our mastermind groups. And she said to me, she said, Christy, she said, I think I'm going to stop podcasting. And I was like, really? Why? I mean, you've, you've got this group of women. You've got an active Facebook group. You're, you know, you're helping people. You've written a couple of books about it. You've got all these things. And she said, you know, I'm still not making any money. Even though I'm getting all these downloads, 10,000 downloads a month, I'm not, I'm still not making any money. And the reason she wasn't making any money, number one, was that she had her own money blocks. So anytime she pitched something to her people, she would say, now, I know this is probably a really hard time in your life, and I know you don't have any money, and, you know, if you could just do this one thing, this will change your life, but I know you don't have a lot of money, so I'm, you know, getting the price down as low as it can be, and she would continually devalue everything she was selling to them. And then if she would offer her time, she would, you know, like offer an hour of her time for like $40 or something, you know, that was just really, really unheard of. And, you know, if you're, if you're like me, you understand that you know, looking at the, the spectrum of people that are in domestic abuse situations, like it doesn't have a socioeconomic status associated with it. It, it crosses all income levels. In fact, I think there was a, a couple of years ago, one of the Google executives that was, um, was in an abusive relationship and she actually used her phone to document the abuse and then she got out of it. But you're talking about somebody who's like an executive, a high up level at Google and has all the money in the world to get the therapy and the help she needs and to even, you know, start all over. But she was stuck in that abusive relationship. So the blocks that 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 Marnie had about her listeners and the target audiences kept her from pitching anything uh, significantly and she never could um, really monetize in any predictable way. But that's not the biggest part of it. Whenever she was telling me this, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And even though Marnie was only paying me a ridiculously small amount, like $240 a month to edit her show and upload it and do all this stuff, she was my lowest billing client. But even in spite of that, I had still made more money on her podcast than she had. Think about that. I, as her producer, editor, whatever you want to call it, had made more money at $240 a month than she had. Now, I can't live off $240 a month. You can't live off $240 a month. So that amount was not a significant amount to change either of our lives. But even that little amount that I was billing her monthly over the course of four years, I made way more money on her podcast than she did. Now, I am going to tell you that I, it was a heartbreaking moment whenever I realized that. And then I started looking at my roster of clients, and I thought, there are more than one Marnie in my bevy of clients. I've got all of these clients that I'm taking money from. I mean, it's not like I'm taking their money from every month. I'm doing a service for them. But they're paying out of their own pockets every single month, and their podcast is not making any money. So I'm making money on their podcast. 
their podcast hosting company is making money on their podcast. Their website uh, hosting company is making money on their podcast website. If they used any help and hired out to get guests and interviews for their podcast, those people made money on their podcast. If they, by any chance, the podcaster got a sponsor here or there, which occasionally can happen, you know what, that sponsor would either make money on that podcast or they would go away and not sponsor it anymore. So everybody down the line, you know, the person who you bought your royalty-free music from for your podcast, they made money off your podcast. The person who did your voiceover, they made money off your podcast. The person who did your artwork, I, I think this, this person paid almost $2,000, 2000 to $3,000 to get their logo done the first time. And then rebranded four times later. Luckily, we didn't, you know, weren't in a situation where she paid that each time. But do you begin to see what I'm saying? Everyone down the line was making money off of this podcast, except the podcaster. And at that point, I realized, like, that is not the business I want to be in. It felt awful. It makes me feel guilty I'm a value-based person, and I give value for what I charge, so it's not like I'm ripping people off. But if I only take money to help people make a podcast that never ends up making money, I am part of the broken podcasting system. And you hear in groups, you hear training courses, you hear everyone talking about podcasts. What do they say? Start now. Just get started. Just put it out there. And in some instances, I understand why they're saying that, because we have a tendency to procrastinate. We have a tendency to let imposter syndrome get to us. We have a tendency not to be able to get out of our heads. We have a, a tendency to maybe try to over-perfectionize any work that we put out before we put it out to the world. So all of these things become a hindrance. But that, just do it, just start it, just put it out there. Everyone should do a podcast. Just use your phone. Use whatever, you know, the best podcast equipment is whatever equipment you'll use. Just make the content. If you do that, you're setting yourself up for a podcast that only makes people that are on my side of the podcast make money. And that's not okay with me. I am not okay with being a cost on your line item every single month for your business. I want your podcast to be a profit center for your business. So I wanted to share that story with you because the reason I believe the podcast model is broken is because we tell people to go create content and they have only a vision for, for the content. They don't look at who they're going to serve because honestly, in order to make money from a podcast and to truly make really, really good money from a podcast, you have to know who you are serving, how you are serving them, and the vehicle through which you will exact that change in their life or in their business. So maybe you are helping entrepreneurs get their life organized and lose weight by offering them ketogenic diet accountability programs or whatever it is you're doing. What you have to do is get really clear on who you're serving. I have a consultation this week. I had a consultation this week, I should say, with a potential client. It was referred to me by someone and 
the client, a potential client had already done five or six or something podcasts. And they were with people that were functioning at very high levels in nonprofits, in non-government organizations, and even inside government and military organizations. So they were some of the, the top brass, so to speak, of some of our, you know, major institutions in the country. And these interviews have already been created, and they're great interviews. But when I started talking about monetization and how do you want to monetize your show, it was, well, well, what are my options? Almost like, you know, pick a card. Which card do you want? Well, here's this option and here's that option and here's that option. Well, what if I just want to make interviews? Well, if you just want to make interviews and you want to be paid for doing the interviews, then you have one option. Well, actually, you might have two. You could go out and find advertisers for your show. But the only way you're going to get advertisers is if you gather a big audience of people. And if you don't know what kind of people you can gather around your podcast that will be interested in your content, then you're not going to be able to do any sort of targeting for your advertisers. So your advertisers, it's the same thing if you decide to go on or you decide to watch, you know, you watch a TV show, you watch the Today Show or whatever it is on the, the morning and people are on there with interviews and people are on there um, doing these different segments, like they might get a million people that watch that particular uh, show and that segment at that particular time. But they're not targeted in any way. So it's a lot of people, but it's not, I mean, half of them might not even be the target audience that you're looking for. In fact, most of them probably aren't. But they consume your content and go by the wayside. And those advertisers that are advertising on the Today Show are knowing that they're advertising to huge amounts of people. But they also know that huge amounts of people are not targeted to be their ideal client or their ideal customer. So you can try to figure out who your audience is and try a bunch of different things with advertisers and most of the time when advertisers pay you, they pay you per thousand and you're not going to like that they want to pay you 20 or $25 per thousand people that will listen to a show. Do you know how hard it is and how long it takes a podcaster to get to a thousand people per episode? You know, I just told you my client podcasted for a year and a half and she was getting, she never could break the thousand downloads in a month. And that was with four shows each month. So she was getting 250 downloads per show. No one's going to pay you for 250 downloads per show as an advertiser. It's not a big enough sample size for them. But at the same time, if she wanted, if this potential client wants to be paid for interviews, the only other thing she can do is find a job at like an uh, NPR or Gimlet or something like that and become a professional interviewer. Now, is that really realistic or feasible? Probably not, because most of those people sort of rise through the ranks at NPR and they get in there, you know, they come to NPR out of uh, journalism school or something like that. And so um, realistically, that's probably not where she's going to be either. So whenever you're looking at a show like this and you realize that the show has been created around the content and what type of content, well, I just think these uh, in people are interesting people. Well, they are interesting people. So what are the themes that run through your content? Uh, well, there's some, a little bit of leadership. There's a little bit of 
organizational development. There's a little bit of uh, personal development. Well, well, you got to target one of those. What, what are, what are you like? What outcomes are you wanting to uh, be able to lead people to? And what vehicle are you going to be able to do? I mean, at this point, it was like you know, uh, it was it was like the sixty minutes of uh, podcasting. You know, you just want to tell interesting stories, but it's really hard. Once you go ahead and create something and you put it out there, we believe that because we took action and we believe because we're putting out good content. If I had a thousand dollars or even a dollar for every podcaster that said I'm putting out great content. I mean, these like people would pay money for these interviews and it's like, okay, great. Well, who is paying money for those interviews? Has anyone paid you any money yet for them? Well, no, they haven't, but but they should be. Well, you know what? Until somebody, you know, until you prove the market, until somebody actually takes out their credit card and gives you money for what you're doing, you, you're not going to have anything that's monetizable. And the thing is, think about it like this. We don't build businesses this way. Like if you started a business and you said, I'm just going to start doing X, Y, or Z, and I don't really know, I don't really have anything to sell. I don't really know what I'll sell. Um, I'm not really sure who would actually be my customer for this, but I'm just going to go and I'm going to set up this business down on Main Street. And yeah, it's going to cost me a little bit. It might cost me money for rent and power and all this. I'm going to go ahead and set this business up. And then Maybe over the next six months or so, um, I'm going to see sort of who comes through the door and I'm going to see kind of what happens and see if I can figure out a way to make money that way. Like, who would do that? Like, like that doesn't even make sense. Like, it defies logic. And what we're doing is we're, you know, we're setting ourselves up for this situation where we have like art, like the artist creates art. They don't create art because there's a market for it. At least most people don't that are true artists don't. They create art because they love the medium. They love the form. They love the creation process. They love the um, the things that it does for them. The, the muse that inspires them uh, is is able to be able to be used to produce things. And you don't know, I mean, many artists starve because there's not a market for what their art is. And there might, art, art might not even appeal to everyone. So you get to a point where you realize that the model of podcasting is broken because we are telling people, just start a show, just start a show, just put it out there. Let me tell you that there's never been a bigger business myth of if you build it, they will come. No, they will not. It was a great for, you know, a movie. It's a great tagline. It sounds good, but it's not true. And you have to work way too hard in podcasting to get in front of it, even when you have a target audience, to get in front of them and to find those audiences that are already gathered and figure out how to get in front of those audiences so that you can then pull some of them into your audience. Like that is way too hard when you know exactly who you're serving and how you're serving them. But to take a show where you have no idea what you would do to even charge somebody for something. And I let me tell you, I did the same thing. My first podcast, I it was the Brick and Mortar Reporter. And I uh, listened to John Lee Dumas's show. And when he started making 30, it was in the early days. And he started making 35 and $40,000 a month from advertising. 
I thought at that point in time, the way things were presented to me, that if you started a podcast, you put it out on iTunes, you had eight weeks to make it to new and noteworthy. And once you make it to new and noteworthy, then basically things just blow up and you become like instant star and people start paying big money for you for advertising. And you know what? I didn't need thirty or $40,000 a month. I thought, you know what? If I had a tenth of that, it would still be life changing for me. So I started a podcast. I started a five day a week interview show while I was working my full time job interviewing local brick and mortar businesses all over the United States. Now, this was before local brick and mortar businesses knew what podcasts were. So I was I made myself reach out to 10 people cold per day, I would set Google alerts. And so uh, I would, you know, see all these newspaper articles come in about local business and this part of the country or that part of the country. And if I saw something, I would reach out to that person and say, hey, I read the article in the Decatur Daily that um, told how you had uh, set a opened a second location of your florist shop. And I was just wondering, I have a podcast. I was just wondering if you'd like to come on and, you know, share your story. And I created that thing. I created the the interviews. And I had no idea how to monetize it. And so, you know what? I didn't. I didn't create an email list. You know what? I didn't even know. So backwards at the time, I didn't even know that I should continue to network and leverage with those, you know, leverage the relationships that I had with those local business owners. I did 150 episodes of my interview show without collecting one single email address and without making one dime of money because I didn't have anything to pitch to anybody. I didn't have a product to sell. I was just telling their stories. What should I have done? Well, I should have done a lot of things, but I should have taught those local business owners how to create a podcast. Right. So but I didn't I didn't do all that. And where is that podcast today? It's nowhere. Nothing's going on with it. Nothing's happening with it. And it is time and money that will never be gotten back and I'll never get a return on that investment. Now, granted, it laid the foundation for where I am today, but most people don't have that same thing happen. They have an archive of old shows or past attempts at podcasting that they'll never get anything out of. So the model of podcasting is broken. And I just wanted to share with you that the first way that you can break the cycle and make sure that you are not being one of the podcasters that's going to create a podcast, you're going to pay people like me or other people or your podcast host or whatever money to be out there and never get a return on it is by getting very clear on who you serve. Who you serve is foundational to every other decision that you make. And you might say, well, Christy, um, what should I name my show? Well, who do you serve? Whenever those people, and how do you serve them? Because whenever those people are looking for the solutions that you're going to provide them, what search terms are they using in Google? That needs to come into play whenever you name your show, because you know why? You want to be found whenever they stick their search words in Google. So that is very critical. So if, let me just begging you, if you don't know who you're serving and you're not very clear on how you will serve them, then please don't start a show. 
because it will never be monetized in a Facebook group. The other day, it was the same thing. It was a, a lady saying, I started my show about six, six months ago. How do you know when you're ready to monetize? As if it's some sort of coming of age kind of thing. And my response is you engineer it to be monetized so that you will exactly know the, the step, steps you're going to take and the path you're going to take to get to monetization. And it's not a nebulous thing. It's not a, I hope, I, I think I can. I, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. I'm going to see what sticks. No, it's a very set path with proven mechanisms in place that you're just going to simply, okay, here's time for this one. Here's time for the next one. And then that's how you get there. So I hope you understand that this is, a, you know, I'm on a mission to get people monetized with their podcast. And sometimes if it's been set up the wrong way to be, in the beginning, we sort of have to tear the building down and rebuild the foundation and then rebuild it from the foundation up. And But we do it the right way this time so that whenever we have a podcast now, we know exactly how we're getting to monetization. One of the things that's very exciting is I am going to be announcing very soon that we have something big coming and it's going to be um, something very exciting. And hopefully it will give tons of people ideas and ways to monetize that they might not have thought about and give them the exact sort of framework and formula that they need to monetize. So be looking for that announcement because it is coming very, very soon. I've just got to finalize a couple other things and then I'll be ready to announce it so very very thrilling excited it's my first foray at doing something like this so it's something new for me which of course is always scary too the other thing I wanted to tell you that please 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 if you are on Facebook at all <laughs> come join us in the podcast monetization secrets Facebook group we try to have conversations in there just this week a couple of people have made some progress um, they've monetized uh, their shows in different ways and so they are sharing their successes in there we're working on building our email lists and those are the kind of people you want to be around whenever you are in this podcast world because you're not alone and we're here to help you with that so come join us in the podcast monetization secrets Facebook group. My challenge to you today is don't be part of the problem. Don't contribute. Be like me. Put a stake in the ground and say, I will no longer contribute to creating podcasts that are not monetized. They're not sustainable. They become the biggest suck of your time and your most expensive hobby. And they leave you feeling angry and bitter and cheated and <laughs> really upset that you wasted that much time, effort, and money and potentially didn't get anything out of it. So help me push back on the podcast model by setting them up right to begin with because that is going to be foundational to monetizing and it doesn't take months or years to monetize. In fact, I'm getting ready to launch something and I'm announcing it to my um, clients first to see if I can fill up slots, but I'm getting ready to beta test um, my new framework for monetizing a podcast. It'll have a podcast monetized within the first 90 to 120 days of launch. And also with that comes building a huge email list and becoming an authority in your space. So I am just so stoked for what we are doing and my beta group is starting 
very soon, and uh, I'll be announcing that um, to my clients. So if you're a client, you'll be getting an email from me this week talking about that and uh, as well as some changes and some good things coming for our affiliate program as well. So anyway, I hope to see you on the inside of the Facebook group, Podcast Monetization Secrets. And until then, I hope you have a fantastic day. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to continue the conversation about how to monetize your podcast, I want to invite you to join our private Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com forward slash podcast monetization secrets and click the button to join. And then I'll see you on the inside.